we have been on our series on the spiritual responsibilities or our spiritual responsibilities as children of God. Amen? Um, it's important that we know what is required of us. Hallelujah. You know, um, because in the Christian walk, there is this tendency for people uh, because of grace to feel that if you say anything that seems to regiment anything, it means that you're walking under the law. And we have endeavored to put, to lay that argument to rest in this house. Now, in our homes, practical, practical wisdom tells us that if you refuse to mow your lawn because it has become a law, you're going to have a very untidy environment. How many of us know that? You don't clean your home. Uh, you, you refuse to brush your teeth. Uh, people are going to be either be running away from you or you're going to run into some embarrassing situation where somebody hands you toothbrush and toothpaste <laughs> as a gift. So the Lord also does not want to leave us, to, does not want to leave us without us knowing exactly what he wants us to do. And that's where the issues of our spiritual responsibilities in the kingdom of God come in. Amen? God loves us. Amen? And he instructing us does not mean he does not love us. He wants to give us the right attitude or mindset when we're doing anything in this world. Now, it's a good thing if people praise you when you do stuff in the kingdom of God. We appreciate what you do. We tell you, oh, you're, you know, in America, I noticed that a lot. Where I was coming from, it wasn't anything like that, really. Um, but here, you know, good job. They give you a pat on the back. You know, they appreciate the soldiers for the work they do. And that's a good thing. But the attitude that Jesus wants us to have is such that even if you don't have that, so you don't fall apart. In Luke chapter 17, verse 5, now how many of us know that Jesus is our example? He's our example. He's, if we, the Bible says if we become perfect, we will be like him. Amen? So 17, verse 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to the sycamore tree, sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it shall obey you. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he's come from the field, Go and sit down to meet. Let's go and sit down to eat, to get something to eat because he just come back from the fields. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and guard thyself, guard thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken. And afterward, thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant 
because he did the things that were commanded him, so likewise ye. When ye shall have done all those things which I commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Do you see the mindset of faith? The mindset that Jesus wants us to have when we're serving him, when we're doing things in the kingdom of God. If they say thank you, praise God. If they don't say thank you, praise God. I'm doing that which is my duty to do. I'm doing what I believe is God's, is my responsibility in the kingdom of God. Now, when your babies, newborn babies, you just give your life to Christ, you're required to feed. That's, that's all. Just come to church. Those responsibilities, some of them apply to you, which is like you need to come to church. You're not going to do much in the kingdom of God except you're hearing the word of God. You have to be in the midst of the saints. This is not a one-man show. God did not call us to isolate ourselves somewhere. He called us to do this thing together. And we are not going to be perfect without the other. Praise the Lord. Until we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God. All come. All come. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Praise the Lord Jesus. Chapter 4. And he gives some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So we are supposed to come together, learn together, and come to a place in Christ Jesus. Amen? So we said that these responsibilities, some of them apply to the new believer, but most of them apply to us if we have been in Christ at least a year. Amen? Number six is evangelism and discipleship. There is something that is an attitude that God wants every believer to have. If you don't have this attitude, you're going to be doing something wrong. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, Jesus laid out this mental attitude, attitude of the heart of a believer. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What, is, what are the things he was talking about? If you read, if you read uh, further back, you're going to see what he was talking about. Meeting our needs, your finances, your clothes, your health, and all, all those things. Everything that we need that is material in this realm. You need a husband, you need a wife, all of those things. Whatever else that you need, you can put it in there. Praise the Lord Jesus. We should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his ways of doing things, his ways of being right. We should seek. What does it mean when we say seek? What, we say pursue earnestly. The dictionary says to pursue earnestly. 
to strive earnestly after, to have a strong yearning for, to have a longing for, to learn by diligent inquiry. Learn about the kingdom by diligently studying the word of God, going into the things of God, willing to know, seeking to know, desiring the advancement of God's kingdom. That should be the attitude of a believer. If you don't have that attitude, you're going to think, you're going to start thinking thoughts you shouldn't be thinking. You start seeking your own glory. Oh, if I'm not there, they can't do it. And I want to show them that if I'm not there, they cannot do that thing they want to do. The Bible says to search for a man to search out his own glory is not glory. That is as it has to do with God because God can do it without us. But he has chosen to do it with us or through us. Amen. The attitude also of us being to told things to do it shouldn't be such as that we're looking at it as laws to us. They're not laws. They're simply principles. The principle might be a law, but not from the perspective of, you know, they just say do's, don't, did that, that, you know, and all of that. People start running all over the place. Like I said earlier, we're children of God seeking God's kingdom, the advancement of God's kingdom, amen, because God is our father and we want more people in heaven with us. Anybody that does not come into Christ is definitely going to hell. I don't care what the philosophy professor says. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The main thing there is that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And Jesus said, you and I, should preach the gospel to every nation. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy, Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he said that we should go and make, teach all nations. In fact, the word there used there as teach actually means to disciple or to instruct and train. Hallelujah. So we go out there and witness to the world about Jesus. They receive Christ. We instruct them about the ways of the Lord and we train them up in the things of God. It's our duty to do that. That was what we were commanded to do. I said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach all nations. Not just a few people. Now, that is the global vision, right? Right? 
So the church is doing that together with all of us, the help of you. We're doing that together through the lenses of the camera, to us going out and all of that. If we write books, it will be the messages, the, deep, the, 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 the videos we're producing that we're putting on social media around the world and all of that. We are teaching, we are instructing men in the ways of the Lord. On a local level, one-on-one, as you're going out in your daily walk, you're talking to people about Jesus. Be deliberate about it. Be conscious about what you're doing. Sometimes we don't think it's important enough. Hallelujah. We don't think it's of, you know, it's my responsibility to win souls. I look at it like it's something that is optional to me. If I want to win souls, I win souls. If I don't want to win souls, I will not win souls. I have news for you. That was not what the, the master didn't say going to all the, if you feel like going to all the world. The only assignment he gave the church the going to all the world. That is why it's called the Great Commission. If you have a good study Bible, you'll see where it comes to that. He writes there, the Great Commission. That's evangelism. And he didn't just stop in us. What does it entail? It doesn't stop in us just witnessing to people. We just go, we give them a card, we invite them to church. That's good. You talk to the person about Jesus and all of that. It goes beyond that. He, what he had in mind was not just us witnessing. That's the number one step in evangelism. He meant we should make disciples of nations. We deliberately publish the gospel to others. We don't allow the message of the gospel that we have received to stop with us. Actually, God looks at this as selfishness. Because that person is going to hell. If you do nothing, that person will go to hell. If you and I don't say anything to the world, they will perish and go to hell. But God said, when that happens, I will hold you responsible for their souls. Because I, you knew that you should warn them and you did not. Ezekiel chapter 3. From verse 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. And the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. He's talking about warning. I know in our day, our gospel is just about telling people God loves you. God loves you so much. He loves you unconditionally. I have news for you. That's not the gospel. You're not preaching anything. Now, listen. There are specific situations where the Holy Spirit says to say that to a person, a specific person. But if you go through the book of Acts, you never see anywhere where the apostle Paul or Peter or James or John or anyone went to a place and said to the people, God loves you and loves you so much and loves you unconditionally. 
because it doesn't make sense. If it's unconditional, why would you tell me I need to repent? Do you get what I'm saying? You don't come at it from that angle. He does love you unconditionally, but it's not helpful to you. For his unconditional love for you to be helpful to you, you have to give your life to Christ. You repent, change God's, and come to Christ. Come to the Father through Jesus Christ. Placing your confidence for eternal salvation on the finished works of Calvary. If you don't do that, you will go to hell. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus was very clear. Look at what he said in verse 15. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is gospel? Good news. What is the good news? That our sins have been forgiven us. That God is no longer counting our trespasses against us. If we receive Jesus as Lord, that's it. That he has paid a price of redemption. That's the good news. Now, if you go to a man and the man says, look, dude, I, I don't know how it is with you, but I, I ain't into all of that. That does not concern me. I don't believe I have any sin of any kind. You're judging me now. I said, but you're a sinner. I said, no, you're judging me. I'm not a sinner. I don't care about the, your, you know, your Jesus or whatever. I don't want to know. What I, what, you know, I, I live my life. You're hoping that the person is going to somehow say, wow, if he loves me, yeah, I better just go to him. You're hoping. Is that what he said to say to the person? If you fail to warn him, and he dies in his iniquity. Say, his blood will I require at your hand. Because what you said to the person is not true. Now, who were, who were the apostle, who, the apostle Paul, when he was talking about before, it says, God commended his love toward us. That when we were yet sinners, in due season Christ died for the ungodly. That's what we call unconditional love. Who was he talking to? Was he talking to an unbeliever or he was talking to a believer? Who did he say nothing can separate us, shall be able to separate us from the love of God? Was he talking to the sinner, the one who does not know Jesus, or was he talking to a believer? If I say that to a believer, God loves you unconditionally, all right, it will make sense to you. You already know God loves you. You are, you say, the Bible says we should believe in the love that God has for us. Was he talking to the world? That's not a message for the world. Even though we include it, we must qualify it. Because the world has misread it now to mean God loves me the way I am. He loves me unconditionally. So if he's a homosexual, God loves him that way. So they refuse to repent. Because if he's unconditional, why are you telling me to repent? He loves me just the way I am. And we brought that thinking into the arena and we should not have brought, done it because it does not belong to everybody. Actually, the Bible said that God is angry with the wicked every day. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, 
evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Who goes angry with some things. If you introduce the context, you have to say things in context so that people don't misuse it and begin to do things they ought not to do in the name of the unconditionality of God's love. That's what we're saying. Does that mean that God does not love people unconditionally? He does, but people still go to hell. So it means that there is more to it. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3 verse 16, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For what purpose? That whosoever believes in him or believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. So that is the point. It has to be made.